When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Coronapod. In this show, we're going to bring you nature's take on the latest COVID-19 developments. And we'll be speaking to experts around the world about research during the pandemic. We're entering a new era now. We have new COVID strategies. There's some new unknowns and we've got a vaccine. Hello and welcome to Coronapod. I'm Noah Baker and joining me this week is reporter Ewan Calloway. Ewan, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. So what we're going to talk about this week is a feature story that you've written all about this sort of jazzy term of super immunity. Now, we'll pick apart what scientists tend to call it more often, which is actually less exciting than super immunity. But to start off with, what do we mean when we say super immunity? Yeah, I think it was a coin that I termed, so that that's not totally legit. But we're talking about immunity to COVID-19 that comes from a mixture of vaccination and a prior infection. So largely, we're talking about people who got infected in earlier waves of the pandemic and then, you know, sensibly got two doses of a vaccine. And scientists have started studying their immune responses, and they're basically off the charts compared to to people who just got infected or people who just got two doses of vaccine. Yeah, and there's like thousands of ways that this is relevant for policy, for the way people are going to think about how protected they're going to be. But it's also immunologically, there's a kind of a puzzle about why this might be the case. And that's kind of what you've been really digging into here. So super immunity or hybrid immunity, as it's more boringly often referred to, is quite common because so many people did get infected before there were vaccines around. Is there kind of a basic back of the envelope reason that you might get this really, really high level of immune response if you've had both a natural infection and vaccination. Yeah, hybrid immunity is is the, the term scientists use. Um, not so great in headlines, but probably a better term going forward. I mean, it makes perfect sense because let's think about COVID-19 vaccinations. Almost all of them are two doses, you know, spaced several weeks apart or, or even longer. And people have found that longer spacing leads to a more potent immune response. So imagine a person who whose first dose happened to be the, the virus itself. So then you wait a period of time, weeks, months, and they get their first dose of vaccine. Well, that's their second exposure 
to the virus. So their immune system is behaving like it's seen two doses of vaccine. So people with hybrid immunity are generating far higher levels of antibodies against the virus. And the antibodies they're generating seem to be doing a better job at blocking uh, diverse coronavirus variants and sometimes even distantly related coronavirus variants. So yeah, it's it's something that totally follows from basic immunology. But I mean, there have been literally dozens of studies on, on this phenomenon out. And I, I tried to pick a few of them and try to pick out some trends about what we're learning about them. Yeah. And I guess one key question I have is, to what extent is there kind of some some kind of qualitative difference between a natural infection and the immune response to that and a vaccine acquired infection? Or is this just a case of essentially like everyone that has had two doses of vaccine and has a previous effect and essentially has all had a booster? Yeah, it's a really good question. Like what is different between hybrid immunity and, and normal vaccine immunity? You know, we should state this clearly. Nobody is recommending that you go out and get infected uh, with SARS-CoV-2 before or after you get vaccine. You know, as, as one of my sources told me, some people won't make it through. So vaccination is, is the safest route to protection. But, you know, researchers are really trying to understand what is it about hybrid immunity so we can safely mimic it and get the benefits. And it's not clear at all what it is. I mean, some of the studies, you know, I've highlighted have found that natural infection elicits more breadth of antibodies that recognize more diverse regions of SARS-CoV-2. And when you get your first dose of vaccine, the cells that make those antibodies, these things called memory B cells, are kind of reawakened. And so we get high levels of diversity of, of, of antibodies. And so with these higher levels of, of broader uh, acting antibodies, you know, we maybe see stronger responses against variants. Yeah, and those memory B cells are really potentially important here, right? So talk us a little bit through the kind of stages of what happens after you get exposed to a vaccine or to the virus itself and how that process changes over time. Because I think that's really important to start to understand how hybrid immunity might be working. When you get exposed to, you know, SARS-CoV-2, either through vaccination or through infection, your body just starts cranking out antibodies against the virus. And most of these antibodies are really short-lived. They're made by cells called plasmablasts that die off. And that's their job is they're the foot soldiers, you know, get in there, respond quickly. But left behind are these really special cells called memory B cells. And there are much fewer of them, but they kind of hold on to, like the name implies, a memory of the pathogen they encountered or, or the part of the protein they encountered. And so when these, these memory B cells get stimulated again, they see the same antigen, you know, SARS-CoV-2, either through vaccination or, you know, exposure. They just start dividing and cranking out antibodies once again. But an important thing happens over time with these memory B cells. They get better and the, the antibodies they produce become more potent. They bind a little bit stronger. So th as a matter of fact, you need fewer of the antibodies they make to neutralize the virus, to block the virus compared to antibodies from cells that haven't gone through this evolutionary process of, of learning what the virus looks like or getting, getting a little bit better at recognizing the virus. So scientists have shown that this process is also at play in hybrid immunity, that people with hybrid immunity have more of these, they call them matured antibody responses, matured memory B cells, recognizing diverse parts of SARS-CoV-2. So... The real question is, what is, 
you know, mediating this potency and this breadth that we see? Is it just time? You know, because a lot of people that researchers have studied, um, they got infected in, in the first wave. And so maybe it's just a matter of, of the long interval between their first exposure and their vaccination is the reason that they have so much breadth. You know, there's been some studies looking at people who were never infected and got vaccinated and their memory B cells are showing hallmarks of, of getting better, getting more potent. And so it could just be a matter of time. And that when people are vaccinated, their memory B cells catch up and they're going to make these really strong, potent antibodies. Or there could be something special about infection. You know, infection is very different from vaccination. You know, you're having like hundreds of millions, maybe billions of particles of virus. They're in your lungs. They're really mixing with lots of immune cells. So maybe they're stimulating our immune system in slightly different ways. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's a, a lot of questions out there. It's just a really fascinating topic. Absolutely. And, and as so often is the case in this pandemic, but also just with immunology more broadly, it does take time to do these studies. And often you're not comparing apples with apples. When you look at sort of two patients, there's a thousand different variables that can change why they might have different responses. And so it, it does take a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of people and a lot of data to be able to start to unpack these things. I'm particularly interested in this sort of potency question and this time it takes for the memory B cells to mature. Because this is in the context of we have had various studies coming out talking about immunity waning over time and actually lessening or antibody responses lessening over time. And that might be an argument for boosters, for example. And yet there is also this sort of additional possibility that these B cells could mature and become better over time as well. How do those two things interact? It's a really tricky question because, you know, when we think about wanting boosters, um, you know, the reason we want boosters is to protect people against infection. And, you know, ideally, we, we want to keep people out of hospital and, and away from dying. And, you know, the link between those outcomes, between protection against disease and severe disease and death, and what's happening in our blood with our immune system isn't completely clear cut. So we know we can get more antibodies, you know, we can get uh, more mature, uh, more potent antibodies through these processes, but does it lead to better protection? It follows that, that it should, but that link isn't completely clear cut. But it's definitely the case that additional doses, boosters, if you want to call that one, will lead to improved antibody responses. I read another story on this. You know, what will happen is you'll reawaken your memory B cells. They'll start putting out really high levels of antibodies and they'll be more mature antibodies. And then your baseline will probably be a little bit higher. So you'll have a little bit higher threshold of, of antibodies and you might be able to respond a little bit quicker to a subsequent exposure a little bit more strongly. So I don't think anybody questions, you know, that, that additional doses are giving your immune system a kick. You know, where the lack of understanding is, is, is how that conveys to, to added protection and added protection against severe disease, which is the thing we most really are worried about right now. Absolutely. And when we hear about antibody levels waning over time, that's the quantity of antibodies. That's kind of a separate issue from these B cells maturing and producing more potent antibodies. It's not producing more, it's just producing antibodies that are better at binding specifically to variants. Yeah, that's true. So if you've got a more mature response, you could 
need fewer antibodies to neutralize, to block infection. I mean, one, one challenge is that we're dealing with a variant in the Delta variant that replicates so quickly that kind of it's in a race with our memory B cells and other immune responses. In some cases, it's winning that race. So it's, it's replicating before our memory B cells can catch up. I think a lot of people think that's what's going on and might be leading to vaccinated people getting infected. But it's complicated. You know, people are trying to understand this as, as quickly as possible to inform policy. And one thing that people are really interested in understanding is, you know, most of these studies have been in people who were infected first, and then they got vaccination. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, you know, this hyperinfectious Delta variant is outpacing our immune responses in some cases. So we're getting a lot of breakthrough infections. And scientists really want to know what, what immunity looks like if you've been vaccinated and then infected, or if you've been infected uh, between doses, as, you know, happened with a, a friend of mine recently. There's just so many questions and researchers are going to be answering them, but it's always going to be these kind of apples to oranges comparisons. There's going to be so many different factors at play that it, it's going to be tricky to understand what's going on. But I think we're lurching towards clarity or, or some clearer picture. I mean, we have to be. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here doing my job. So you've mentioned that one of the things that scientists want to do is better understand how this sort of super immunity is coming about so that they can try to find ways to safely incorporate those benefits. What does that look like? Is it just new vaccine design? Like what, what, what are the kinds of avenues scientists might have if they do get a better understanding of why this is happening? I mean, new vaccine design, I think that's maybe down the road. Uh, we can talk about that last. I mean, the, most, the two most obvious things that we can probably tinker with now are, and there are drawbacks, are additional doses. Most of the studies of hybrid immunity have found that most of the benefits come just after the first dose, and so that a second dose doesn't seem to give their immune systems the jolt that it does for, for people who are never infected. But, you know, we're going to see really, really soon studies of people who got booster vaccines, who got third doses in people who with hybrid immunity and in people who were never infected. And another thing is just interval. You know, I, I spoke with some researchers in Quebec, in Canada, and there in early 2021, the world was was short on, on vaccines, most of the world. And to spread the doses they had further in, in Quebec, they decided to make the interval between first and second dose four months, 16 weeks. And the researchers looked at the immune responses of people after their second doses, you know, I think up to three months after their second doses, and found that they had a lot of similarities to people with hybrid immunity. Uh, high levels of antibodies, good at neutralizing diverse variants, good at neutralizing different coronaviruses, including the one behind uh, the original SARS epidemic. So maybe, you know, a longer interval is the way to super immunity. And, and that makes sense with our picture of how these memory B cells, you know, mature over time and they get better. So there may be some, some ways to do it. And as you say, maybe new vaccines could better mimic some aspects of infection. You know, there's a company, Gritstone, that's looking at a booster vaccine that incorporates spike and another protein in its vaccination to see if, if you get some benefit there. People are talking about intranasal vaccines. So you're administering the vaccine in, in a manner that you get exposed to the virus. So maybe there's something there. People are pursuing a lot of avenues to try and understand uh, how we can better stimulate our immune system to provoke a stronger response. 
most of the studies you're looking at here are comparing people that have had vaccination and an infection versus people that have just had the vaccination and no infection. How does any of this compare to people that have just had the infection and no vaccination at all? Like, are people looking into the difference between vaccine derived immunity and naturally derived immunity, regardless of the sort of hybrid aspects of it? Yes. I mean, I think that's one of the one of the means to understand hybrid immunity is, is ask what's different. I mean, with with natural infection, I think, you know, you're getting maybe a broader response against the spike protein. One thing that people have observed is that their protection, uh, at least their antibody levels, seem to be related to what their disease was like. So people who got mild or, you know, asymptomatic COVID don't seem to mount uh, nearly the uh, immune response as people who got more severe forms of COVID. The durability of that, we don't know. I mean, there have been studies suggesting that the natural infection, you know, you're more prone to, to reinfection, you know, all of these things. So there might be some some additional breadth to uh, natural in, in, infection. But I don't think you'd, you'd find many scientists who say that's a better form of immunity. It's certainly not a safer form of immunity than vaccination. And we really have to be careful when we talk about this because, you know, the scientists I've been speaking to who are studying these, their work these studying these differences, some of their work has been misrepresented by people with agendas who want to claim that these vaccines, you don't need these vaccines or the vaccines are unsafe. And, you know, it's, it's just a really, you have to be really careful, I guess, when you talk about differences in immunity from infection and, and vaccination. You know, it's important to understand, but, you know, get vaccinated. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the vaccines are far safer. And, and I'll quote my source again, you know, we don't recommend people get infected and get vaccinated to have a good response because people will die. Absolutely. As much as natural infection potentially does provide good protection, could even provide better protection, it's very variable. It's really hard to know what protection you might have from a, a natural infection. Whereas vaccination, that's much more controlled. You have a much better sense of the protection you've got from your vaccination. Yeah, yeah. I think you're, you're, you're really rolling the dice if you're relying on natural immunity to protect you when we've got these amazing vaccines available. Ewan, thank you so much. This has been really fascinating. I'm sure there's going to be more to say on it as time goes on. But for now, uh, have a good day. Uh, you too. Thanks for having me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.